and welcome to the Enlightened Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hunt. Joining me in this episode of Crash Course History is Ellie Smith, my wonderful co-host. She and I are going in-depth for the beginning of World War II, and not just the setup and the makeup this time. People actually die in this one. Listen in, I hope you learned something, and enjoy. The Great World War II. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, been a time, but we should definitely uh, talk about the, the actual start of World War II, at least in Europe. Like, yeah, because the Pacific campaigns, like, at least with the U.S. is involved, don't really start until 41. No. The at U- least when the U.S. is involved. Uh, well, I was thinking more along the, the war in the Pacific is arguably, um, they talk about the Sino-Japanese War yep. um, being technically World War Two, And basically, short answer is, historians argue over when World War Two started yeah. because it's a global war. And it's kind of a series of wars that all tied together yeah. in 1941. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are historians that argue in 1931, the Italy invading uh, Abyssinia. It was 1935. I thought it was 1931. I, I think it was 35, but yeah, Abyssinia, which mm-hmm. I think is today is Ethiopia. Yeah, which um, the Ethiopians won against the Italians for yeah, a while. Yeah, which is fantastic. Are, yeah. Ah, it was 1931 was the invasion of um, Manchuria. That's right, yeah. So Japanese mm-hmm. aggression started in the early 30s. European um, aggression in the mid-30s. Yeah, so we left off kind of building up all the players yeah. of World War Two, And that's that's kind of the biggest point that we can get across. So that's how many players there were. I know, but um, we need to get into... The actual, like, World War Two, World yeah. War Two, yeah. which doesn't always encompass mm-hmm. the United States, and no. we're actually going to be leaving off the United States for quite a while. Yeah, because the United States don't come in for almost two years. Yeah, the war is doesn't really involve them. No, um, purely by their choice, they provide like material aid and financial aid but they don't do any boots on the ground until um 1941 after the japanese attack Mm -hmm. so before all of that we begin with uh hitler has ramped up just as a refresher Mm -hmm. hitler has revamped and rebuilt the german economy and he has rebuilt the german military secretly and basically made it a massive fighting force. Mm-hmm. He had all kinds of factories made dedicated to basically starting yeah. a new world order mm-hmm. in which he saw Germany as the leaders of. Yep. And so, in retribution for World War I, he, uh, is the, he begins with Sudetenland, right? Or is it Alsace? It might have been. It's Alsace and Lorraine or the Sudetenland. They happen fairly close to each other. I Mm -hmm. think it's Alsace and Lorraine first because he takes back the refineries in what was Western Germany, Eastern France. Then I think it was the Sudetenland and Czechoslovakia. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so after and Austria, but Austria was more of like Austria a, was like semi by choice. Yeah. Um, the Austrians might disagree with that, but yeah, exactly. So the um, the non-aggression pact that Hitler and Stalin had signed basically divided Poland. Yep. And Poland had been allied to uh, the UK and France. Yep. Um, at this time. So, uh, they, uh, the English people as well as the French people drew a hard line in the sand and said, um, you know, we, we will allow, th- uh, the invasion of Czechoslovakia and all this stuff, but basically, um, calling it, uh, appeasement, yeah. which is like, you know, coming to the table and, and believing they could agree on yeah. things. And they also made the argument that there were enough ethnic Germans in some of these territories, mm-hmm. but they were like, oh, well, it's not really an invasion. They're just, you know, they need more space, and there's already German people living there, so it's kind of just making official what's already a thing. Exactly. So, Whatever, um, sleep at night, right? Ex- bingo. The... Can't make that argument with Poland. No, not even kind of. So, um, not necessarily the sole architect of appeasement, but the one that... Um, gets slapped with it the most is going to be Neville Chamberlain, who was the um, United... Prime Minister, yeah. Yes, Great Britain's Prime Minister at the time, who dealt with Hitler directly and basically said he's a reasonable person and uh, we can stop him at Czechoslovakia and there will be no more invasions and we will have world peace. Uh, He immediately had to eat his words. Yep. So on September 1st, 1939... Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler, uh, did the first... Blitzkrieg. Yeah, so, Blitzkrieg is... Is that um, where, like, the football play Blitz comes from? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. So, it's called Blitzkrieg, which uh, loosely in German translates to lightning strike. Yeah. It is not actually a factual term. Mm-hmm. And it is never used by the German army. Yeah. I think Hitler jokingly mentioned it because in the United Kingdom's press, they described it as lightning war. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not uh, it's not an official term. It's not actually used, but it is a method in which the highly developed uh, new tanks that the Germans had worked with. They use them like cavalry charges in earlier wars. And they were basically meant to stab through an enemy line at its weak point and Mm -hmm. thrust so far in that as the enemy's front collapsed and they had to fall back, then you have your massed infantry attack behind that that fights on all points at once, which it's, it's a daring... An unconventional move. Um, it's not quite a blind charge yeah. forward, which is kind of what people try and attribute it to. Yeah. It is... Um, y- there are several German generals that are just absolute military geniuses yep. that, that effectively help oh, yeah. develop this in a huge, huge way. Oh, yeah. Um, Germany militarily has always been, at least up until... World War One had always been a powerhouse. Uh, it was not necessarily... I mean, you can argue with the Knights Hospitaller. Um, the uh, 
it's really the Prussians yeah. that, that bring the military Right, tradition. and they're the ones who are at the heart of the German Empire. And that only starts in, in the 1800s. In the 1800s right. with um, Bismarck. Yep. But after years of, you know, destruction mm-hmm. that the Great Depression wreaked and Ooh, the, yeah. the end of World War One. Yep. Hitler brought the military traditions of uh, Germany and Austria. Yeah. Um, certainly to the front. Yep. And they just kind of went hog wild with it. Oh, yeah. To say the least. So, um, they invade a series of, like, small countries and small provinces. Uh, he directly interferes with the, um, Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Which many people see as a kind of prologue to World War Two. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's Franco's a fascist. Yeah. He's directly... Um, sending help that way. Um, so, we get to um, the invasion of Poland, and it is on September 1st, Hitler invades Poland, and uh, the entire country essentially collapses mm-hmm. in a matter of weeks. Yeah. The government flees to England and is there for the remainder of the war in exile. It is insane. Yep. Um, two days later... Um, Great Britain and France declare war on Germany after the invasion of Poland. Yep. And uh, 16 days later, after signing a ceasefire with Japan, the Soviet Union invades the east of Poland. So Poland is literally just gobbled up between these two. Yep. Um, just powerhouses. And yeah. Poland, is, it, the Polish military is not something to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. It's just the 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 simple fact is that A, they're caught between two yeah. massive powerhouses that have been preparing invasions for this, but it's the fucking fact that the the Germans and their panzers are nearly unstoppable. Yeah. The panzers alone is just a miracle of like tank evolution. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we should clarify that the panzer is a tank. Yeah, the the German panzer is like the go to tank of the German army. It's it's they were pumped them out by the thousand. Oh yeah, and they dominated the battlefield for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until the Sherman. No, the Sherman got blown out of the no, water. What was by the one that we had that? We were we pumped out Sherman's left and right, yeah. and they were good. They weren't as good as no, Panzers. No, it was um, uh, it was the Russian T thirty four. Yeah, that absolutely knocked the Panzer off the mm-hmm. map, and it was just because of the sheer simplicity of it and the yeah. thick armor. Yep. Um, but that's years down the line. Yeah. So, right Poland now, falls. yeah, Poland falls almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it it is a matter of weeks. On September 27th, the Warsaw Garrison surrendered to the Germans, and the last large operational unit of the Polish army surrendered on the 6th of October. Yep. So, in about a month, yeah. the entire country of Poland it's, falls. Yep. Which, it, like, this is success on the scale that Hitler was still surprised at. Yeah, he didn't expect it to happen this quickly. No, not at all. He hoped, he wanted it to happen quickly because he wanted to be able to then about face and immediately invade france exactly um so uh, the germans annex poland and then they turn back to the allies yeah and uh they they begin preparations for war on those terms yep and it is uh, insane yeah uh hitler essentially originally 
intended to just keep going from Poland into the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, he didn't, he wasn't going to deal with the Allies. He was going to diplomatically end um, any war or any conflict with the Allies because he wanted to defeat the Soviet Union first. But they didn't have the supplies prepared mm-hmm. and bad weather conditions that winter right, in 1940. Yeah. It was were, October yes. and they wouldn't have been able to invade until so the fall and it, spring. Yes, so it got delayed until 1940, because or the spring of 1940 due to bad weather. Yep. So it's just, it's a lot. It, it, yeah. It's a huge shock to the world. And it is, this is, everyone really believed in appeasement. A lot of people admired Hitler, even in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they did not think that he was this maniacal, No, they saw dictator. a leader who brought his country back from the brink of despair and economic collapse. Exactly. So it's just, it... Nobody wanted another war. They were the scars mentally, physically, like on the hearts and minds of people and on the landscape of Europe. The scars of World War One were still very, very fresh in people's minds. And nobody wanted another war. Only twenty years later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most Germans uh, just wanted to like regain the territory. Right, the lands, the lands that had been taken from them uh, the Treaty of Versailles, and kind of regain their their stature in in the world that was taken down a peg by World War One. Yeah. Um, a lot of them didn't really start out with world domination plans. Mm-hmm. It it happens because of, like, the events we're talking about now is Poland collapsed yeah. in a month. Yeah. And Poland was a well-respected, massive country. Mm-hmm. And then you uh, in April, uh, the Germans invaded Denmark. Yep. And Denmark absolutely collapsed. Mm-hmm. And Norway also yeah. uh Though I think Norway Norway hand, uh, held out for longer, yeah. But uh, Denmark literally capitulated no within ex- hours. No one expected it. They they kind of fooled themselves into thinking that Hitler would be satisfied with the appeasement, so they weren't necessarily preparing. And it's uh, it, no one had built up this military. No, no one believed. That this was going to happen. It's it's eerily similar to what we're seeing with mm-hmm. um, Putin, Xi Jinping, and China and Russia right yeah. now. It is uh, people who have come in, they're essentially leading totalitarian dictatorships, and they are seriously revamping their militaries and looking at global domination. Yep. Which people are trying to, you know, say that, oh, that's ancient history, that's a thing of the past. That's exactly what people oh, yeah. said after World War One. Yep. They believed that it was the war to end all wars. Mm-hmm. I I see so many parallels yeah. here that it's, it, it's I mean, uh, Putin's looking at Ukraine because it's the breadbasket of the Soviet Union and it's mm-hmm. got oil fields. Yep. It's literally the same way that Hitler salivated over Oslo's Lorraine, the mm-hmm. Sudetenland, Czechoslovakia. And it's just, when people don't put up a resistance, they're yeah. just going to take it. People don't yeah. believe that there can be people out there who are evil. Yeah. And especially at this time in history, the entirety of the 30s, most of Europe was decreasing their military armament. Significantly so. Where, like, they were decreasing the number of individuals in the army, the amount of weapons that were being built, the amount of warships and battleships that were being built, so that when Hitler comes storming through with his massively reinforced army, 
they physically can't stand in his way. Uh, it's and it's not even close. Nope. So uh, Denmark capitulates within days. Uh, Norway holds out for two months, mm-hmm. but then they capitulate. So on May tenth, Germany launched its first offensive against France. And is this when they are invading through neutral Belgium? And that was the idea, is yeah. France had seriously built up the Maginot Line, which uh, a lot of people teach now as kind of, it was like a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. of like, of course the Maginot Line was useless. No, it was a, yeah. extremely strong and extremely they effective. They just expected Hitler to respect, to respect Belgium's neutrality. And he, and he had zero intention yes, of doing he that. he completely ignored it and went through the Ardennes. Yeah. And it was... Uh, uh, strategist seriously told him mm-hmm. don't go through the Ardennes it's too thick a uh, mm-hmm. uh, forest in um, western Germany yeah. and you know Belgium, France it's all on the borders of that area and uh, Hitler said no they'll never expect it basically yeah. and they and had they to I was going to say and they've had different plans originally Yeah, but um, I believe a pilot was shot down mm-hmm. who had the original plans and the French or the allies were able to figure out the original plan. So at the last minute they needed to change it. Mm-hmm. So they attacked through the Ardennes in this wild uh, blitzkrieg yeah. charge that uh, was very calculated and very intelligently done, but it was absurd mm-hmm. how effective it was. And Well, also because Belgium had declared its neutrality and Belgium also expected expected that to be respected Mm -hmm. so they weren't letting france or england post their own troops within belgium yep so belgium was wildly unprepared to be invaded and there was no one there to help them and uh it it went through belgium the netherlands and luxembourg Um, because those are all right along france's northern border exactly and that's just germany just went straight through yeah um one of the key factors here is that erwin rommel who is uh, one of the rising stars of World War One? Who essentially ended up being a um, like kind of a German West Point mm-hmm. kind of a professor of uh, infantry tactics was an infantry commander in the First World War. Mm-hmm. What happens is after the advent of the Panzer, he kind of lobbies himself for command, and he ends up being one of Hitler's favorites. Mm-hmm just personally before the war and it's um he he is actually part um uh, like the head of hitler's personal guard mm-hmm. of the ss for a while and then um rommel eventually lobbies for a field command in um france yep. and that's where he sees the effectiveness of the panzers and that's what switches him over entirely mm-hmm. And that's and what part of why he's so successful in North Africa, it, it, is his it, command of the tank battalions. It is 100% of why he is so successful, is the panzers are just unstoppable, but he sees them in action, and he was not a tank commander. And it's specifically in France that he it was beyond successful. Yep. They, it was a wild, wild success for them in France, and... Uh, the the fortifications along the Maginot Line, which is between the French border um, and the German border, they the Germans simply go around, mm-hmm. which is genius, and yeah. they but the French collapse. Oh yeah, the French army is is not able to hold them back in any kind of way. Uh, 
basically the Allies thought the Ardennes also provided mm-hmm. the same protection that the Maginot Line would, and it didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but several years later, with the Battle of the Bulge in the Ardennes Forest, that is one of the costliest battles in the European campaign, partly because, A, it was the middle of winter, and mm-hmm. you it's so thick you can't necessarily see when people are coming at you. And then all of a sudden there's thousands brigades upon brigades of people mm-hmm. charging at you through the trees. Indeed. Uh, so, we'll get to that in several more episodes. Oh, yeah. We're, we have a lot to deal with in the first place. And this is just, these are the battles on the continent. This mm-hmm. is very early in the war. We're in 1940 right now. Yeah. So the, the war's not even a year old yet, and Britain hasn't been doing any major involvement yet. They've started to build up their navy, and they've started to build up their navy. What the Battle of the Atlantic and the Battle in the North battles in the North Sea are starting yes. to happen. Oh yeah, uh, and the the largest thing that happens here that um, is essentially the, the the fall of France. Yes, is is, is what comes out of this. Um, the uh, British expeditionary force, which mm-hmm. was the basically uh, the majority of yeah. the the British forces on the continent, mm-hmm. um, collapsed oh, under yeah. the Blitzkrieg, yeah. and it is the it was a, an utter rout, and they were able to retreat to the point a port of Dunkirk, which is where mm-hmm. the miracle of Dunkirk takes They're place. Saying where you and I disagree because I love that movie, and you were like meh on it. You really you loved Dunkirk. I thought Dunkirk was fantastic. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I don't know whether it was more just, like, the emotion behind it, because there's not a whole lot of dialogue that happens, so a lot of because I think it was Hans Zimmer did the music for yeah. it, right? And I love Hans Zimmer. But it, 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 it touched me emotionally. It made me very sad. Uh, yeah, I don't like sad movies. I don't necessarily like sad movies, but I thought that was a good one. And Kenneth Branagh is flawless in it. I mean, he's in it very shortly, yeah. and I, I, I think he did a good job. I think all the actors did good mm-hmm. jobs. It was just, it's kind of a sad moment in English history. Um, and hopefully. It, yes, but yeah. it's it, it's still... It is. Know. It's the tragedy that happens before they the kind of get their shit together. Yeah. And it, it it is one of half a dozen, and that's, that's mm-hmm. the main point of when we really get into... To the English side yeah. of the war, which uh, this was very much a war between England, uh, and, England Germany and Germany for the for longest a good time, year. and uh, I, England is the most powerful empire in the world at this point, mm-hmm. and it gets its shit rocked yeah. by Germany. But again, they weren't prepared. They had a the army had shrunk massively. Their they were still like their navy was still pretty much the most powerful but it was out of date indeed oh yes um, very much their air power was practically non-existent no and they weren't um the the raf was not to the degree that the luftwaffe was at this point in time mm-hmm. later on it got to that point um, yeah. when we talk about the battle of the blitz but let's focus back on dunkirk right so with dunkirk you have literally french british any Allied soldiers that have survived are literally just fleeing to the beaches of Dunkirk, hoping uh, against hope. Is Dunkirk Belgium? No, Dunkirk is on the shores of France. It's by it's um is by it? the English Channel. Okay, so um, the whole yes, that that's why sense. I was just saying like yeah. in the movie you have all the fishermen. It's, that's coming. not the movie. That's the reality. in real life. Yes, yes, I know you have all the fishermen that go across. Um. So what happens 
at Dunkirk is uh, the British and the French armies are routed by the Germans, and the Germans come through, and I say Germans uh, indiscriminately, and it is really, it's the Nazi Empire, specifically, because it, it constitutes like, I feel like there might be Austrian and... Austrians and uh, what's McCullough people of Denmark and yeah, uh, Norwegians may have, may have and, joined yeah. in yeah um, so there uh, the the French and the British armies are utterly routed yep they're pushed back to the beaches where they have basically the the Germans uh, with their air cover who have air superiority oh yeah uh, the Germans actually have the British and the French surrounded. Yeah. And there, I want to say there's something like 200,000 yeah. men on the beach. And they are looking for landing craft, but it is nearly impossible to mm-hmm. get large landing craft in at this bay. Because A, the bay is too small. Right. B, ships are getting shot out of the yeah. water. It's like there's by... only enough space for one major ship to dock at a time. And its artillery is able to take out significant numbers of these ships, as well as the Luftwaffe is coming in and beginning to take pounding after pounding mm-hmm. on the English ships. Yeah. So basically these guys are trapped in a pocket on the beaches with little to no defenses, almost no supplies, and it's uh, literally the biggest disaster yep. in English military since history. Gallipoli. Yes, since Gallipoli. Um, so it, at this point in time, when there's literally no hope left, um, Churchill actually sends out the order mm-hmm. for uh, the reacquisition of any small personal boats yeah. on the coast of England. Yeah. So you got fishermen in there and like little it's not, pleasure craft. It's not and... necessarily just like fishermen themselves. No, no, it's it is like the, any yes, boat that is available. It is the, uh, no, I mean like it was like the military reacquisition. Mm-hmm. There were volunteers, yes, which yes. they really romanticize in the movie. Yes, but it, but it was like the, maybe... the, is it the homes, home guard? What, yeah, they had what? the home guard that was responsible um, for like manning the yeah, defenses they, along the shore. They literally drove like small like yachts. To go across the channel and pick up uh, a couple of, yeah, anyone that they could and then go back. And, you know, this is under fire. This is, you know, they had Mm. multiple um, strafing runs done by them. And And miracle of miracles, they get most of them home. Yeah, the vast majority of the army, like significant numbers are are rescued and they survived to fight another day. changed Britain's chances dramatically if you lost those 200,000 men to prison camps they would have uh what's been called they wouldn't have had a, they wouldn't have had a chance they wouldn't uh no the the war pro- more than likely would have ended uh, yeah. almost immediately oh, yeah. after this um so they're able to to rescue the men off dunkirk uh unfortunately uh soon after italy and also invades france declaring mm-hmm. war on both france and the united kingdom mm-hmm and uh, Paris falls on the 14th of June in 1940. So uh, it, it really, all of this, all of the events we're talking about happen in within the span of a year. Yeah. Uh, not even, because like, we're not even at September 1940 yet. And that's, imagine... The entirety of Western Europe falling in it is. nine months. And it, it, the like, I just can't get over, you read about British military history, and it is... One of the strongest militaries yeah. on top of one of the strongest navies in the world. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, the the army that stopped 
Napoleon. Yeah. Granted, there were a lot of Germans and Dutch in that army as well, mm-hmm. but still, it was under the command of English like officers. Said, the Duke of Marlborough was British. No, Duke of Wellington. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Duke of Marlborough was Churchill's ancestor, yes. Yes. Um, who was also a brilliant military, military commander. commander in his own right. Um, but it is... It's amazing to watch, uh, you know, Top Dog just get his fucking ass handed to him. And this, it happens on the continent, and they aren't, like, the the British Army and the Allies are, cannot set foot on the continent for another two years. Yeah, it's not until Italy is 1942-ish, 1943, and then Mm -hmm. D-Day is 1944. Yeah, so it's, they, the Allies would not set a foot in France. For another four years, which uh, I cannot stress enough how close the Germans were to winning the war and basically taking over the world. And the only reason they didn't is because Hitler decided to then open up. No, it wasn't. It it was not because of that. It was because of the Blitz. Yes. Which comes next later. Uh, So it's the Battle of Britain. It is the Battle of Britain. But we should. uh, uh, France signs an armistice. Yep. And uh, after Paris falls in June, it is divided into uh, German and Italian zones of occupation. Um, And then there's a kind of a rump state, which is called the Vichy regime, which was officially neutral, was essentially like a a puppet state. It was a collaboration of the government, basically. For the Axis. Um, uh, It is... uh, France... uh, Churchill and the British uh, pushed to try and have the French fleet um, scuttle themselves, which mm-hmm. is destroy their own ships, yeah. so that the Germans won't get um, won't be able to use them. Won't be able to use them against the Allies, yeah. and uh, it, it, um, almost immediately, uh, France declines. So, unfortunately, this is where you see a lot of the the kind of rough underbelly of yeah. the actual history. Where I didn't realize up until recently having classes and, and reading more about it is um, the the French were very much like part of the Axis. There's a good chunk of France that, that stayed loyal to the Germans for a long mm-hmm. time. And this is one of the examples where the French Navy refused to scuttle mm-hmm. and they basically threw in their lot with the Germans. Yeah. And uh, so the British actually had to attack and uh, blow up a significant portion of it in dock to prevent it from falling into the hands well, of Germany. Well, this happens in Morocco and Algeria as well. When, a couple of years down the line when we have mm-hmm. Operation Torch and the Allies are trying to land in North Africa, they don't know if the French troops in North Africa are going to fire on them or help them. They do, significantly. Yeah. There's a lot of American killing French and yeah. French killing American yeah. in the name of Germany. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it is a sad, complex history that it gets into. Um, but the next major point is the Battle of Britain. Yep. And I would say this... And Stalingrad are are the only two reasons that uh, Hitler did not conquer all of Europe. Yeah. Certainly, England and, held out, and, and no one expected the them Mediterranean. To. And it's uh, certainly um, 
Churchill uh, definitely had a, a major factor in this and his, his simple genius in saying, no, we will not surrender. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the people of England and oh, London yeah. specifically, if all, in all the annals of history, I've never seen a more noble sacrifice well, And that people. is exactly what it was, is that Hitler expected, if I bomb London, if I bomb all the major mm-hmm. cities and... I'm attacking the people of England. Mm-hmm. They won't put up with it. They will demand it into the war, and that mm-hmm. will get Britain off my back. And it does the exact opposite, where the people of England then stand up and say, no, you know what, we're going to fight back against this. We're not going to knuckle under and mm-hmm. give in to this bully, basically. And that's... So Hitler launched a massive, large-scale bombing campaign directly against uh, London itself, as Manchester, well as um, any of the, like the major major production population centers. yeah population center well it was more production based yes. he wasn't trying to bomb civilians he was trying to actually um, destroy bomb yeah to make war. the, the uh, London was more airfields and whatnot yeah. London London was symbolism uh, the the King of England uh, asked Churchill whether or not. Um, he thought he should flee to Canada and live in exile and fight, dictate the war from there. Um, the king basically said he didn't want to go, and Churchill said, you know, I think that it's probably a better view if yeah. you stay. So Churchill is famous for staying on top of buildings mm-hmm. during bombings and directing um, Anti-aircraft, anti-aircraft guns, yeah. as well as, uh, you know, continuing on with the campaign, helping out with, uh, you know, cleanup, as well as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, consoling people. Uh, the king is almost blown to kingdom come when part of Buckingham Palace is blown apart. Yep. And he was 10 feet away, something along those mm-hmm. lines. Got away with scrapes and bruises. Yeah. Who is our current Queen Elizabeth's father? father yeah, so mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth herself would have been... Living in Buckingham Palace at the same time and living yes, through all she, of this, uh, no, she, the entire family uh, stayed. She volunteered in the nurses' corps in World War Two, yeah. so she she was very much there for all of this. Yep. Um, so the Luftwaffe just relentlessly just bombed the fuck out of Britain. Yep. So this is called the Battle of Britain. Um, it's shortened to the, the Blitz, Blitz. Um, and it's it, it is an aerial attack on Great Britain. Um, England is able from its um, bases to retaliate and send bombers to Germany and France to hit German military targets at this time, but not to the same effectiveness right. or degree. Right. And they were limiting themselves to, I believe they were still limiting themselves to night raids. Until, or were they just doing day? I can't remember. It's not I a, believe it was day raids because yes. the accuracy of night raids was so bad right. it's that not they until were hitting the, It's civilians. not until the Americans come in that they start doing day and night bombing yeah. runs. And uh, basically what happens is uh, the RAF is able to, to fend off the Luftwaffe. Yeah. And the Luftwaffe has... Uh, the, the German Air Force is extremely effective, but... It just comes down to simple numbers and the English defending their home. Yep. And the battle of over London in particular, it is, if you look at the numbers, it is, you know, a few hundred pilots going up against each other every day to try and take down more and more. Mm -hmm. And the end of it comes down is uh, Goring, who's the head of Luftwaffe, uh, has to tell Hitler basically, like, I need more 
pilots. Pilots, because we don't have enough trains that are ready to go. And Hitler basically says, uh, we'll leave them off. Uh, England is the only place that hasn't been conquered in Europe at this point, aside from the Soviet Union. And Hitler basically says the real priority is the Russians. Yeah. So he moves off to go attack them. Opens a second front. Um, he also, at this time, uh, I should say, um, during the, the Blitz, he um, puts out multiple peace talks to yeah. English to basically say that, you know, you can remain neutral, you'll regain your, retain your colonies, mm-hmm. but Germany is the power on Earth now. Yeah. And they're like, fuck no. Yeah, and Churchill basically just ignores it. Yeah. Um, he entertains the idea initially, yeah. but then uh, once the, the reality of the situation sinks in within days, he sends, no, the English people will not submit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the... So it I I cannot stress the importance of this moment in I would say like English history or European history but yeah. it, it really is world history. It is. If England they, had it, if England had fallen the United States would never have would have come in. We wouldn't have won a war against Germany. No. We would have just accepted them as like a new Rome. Yeah. Uh and that's and England it hung by a knife's edge and if Hitler had said you know, I seriously, seriously want to invade um, Great Britain, which he very much did. Yeah. Um, but he hated the Russians so much more. Yep. Uh, the English Navy also should get mentioned. They um, mined every harbor, yeah. patrolled every ounce of uh, everything they could. They were blowing up submarines left and right. Yep. And getting blown up by submarines yep. left and right. Well, the battles in the North Sea, up north of Scotland, and in between Scotland and Ireland. It is... The Battle of the Atlantic is another whole thing that doesn't get mentioned enough. That is, but that's later on because that's when the, well, it's ongoing because the Americans play a crucial part in that and we don't come in until 42. Yeah. And we're still talking about 1940. Um, So, Hitler, uh, the, the invasion of Britain gets stalled. Yeah. For the invasion of the Soviet Union. And, uh, we have here Operation Barbarossa. Barbarossa, yes. Which is Hitler's planned mass attack to conquer Russia and the Soviet Union because the communists are the real threat. He hates the, the Slavic race. <laughs> he believes that they are less than humans. Uh, they, he literally terms them subhumans. And they begin their mass preparations. And up until this time, and it might still be, the largest invasion in the history of mm-hmm. humankind of one army up against a num- uh, another. And you have Hungarians and Romanians and uh, uh, drafted and Italians all drafted into this Axis assault. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 1941, they begin uh, the, the assault on the Soviet Union. I'm going to pretend like I haven't re-recorded this ad 15 times. Hi! I'm Ben Hunt. I hate to interrupt your lovely podcast experience with this ad, but I'm going to anyway. Why? Because Anchor needs me to. So I'm really never going to advertise for anything that I don't believe in. And Anchor, I actually believe in. So Anchor is an app or a website that allows me to do everything I need to for the podcast. It allows me to record and edit right from my phone or my computer. 
It also allows me to distribute my podcasts on every listening platform you can think of, from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even Stitcher. So basically, it's a one-stop shop for everything you need in a podcast. And best of all, it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I think that leaves it as a pretty solid chapter one for, uh, you know, the actual um, beginning of World War II. Yeah. Um, at least on the European front. We'll, yeah. We'll definitely talk about, um, you know, we'll get into the the Russian and Nazi war um, in depth because it's, it, it is the largest clash of yeah. human beings against human beings. Uh, in the history of the world, but I that deserves its own podcast. Absolutely, that that's gonna be an episode. In I was gonna itself. say, I think, uh, you know, and in the time period that we've gone over now, and we're we are missing major events. Yeah, as we are, but um, these are the most important ones. These are the ones that kind of, you know, it, it stitches together bits and pieces that you've seen in movies. Yeah. As well as, you know, heard in history class or you caught half of a history channel special. Yeah. I, I hope that this is a, a, a better organization mm-hmm. of it. Is there anything that you would like to add up until this point? I think that basically covers it, other than the fact that Stalin was also taken by total surprise by the invasion of. Oh, yeah. And that's. We'll, uh, we'll I, get into I think, that, but it was literally we'll, no one expected Hitler to. Yeah. We, um, I was we gonna, never expect the we'll, Spanish Inquisition. We'll do a quick episode. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a shortened one just on Churchill himself. Yeah. Because um, we definitely glossed over him and his, his importance, and I want to read his quotes and stuff. And we definitely mentioned him before, but. Yeah. If anyone deserves a full episode yeah. um, dedicated to themselves in the, the Second World War, I would argue Churchill certainly does. Absolutely. Um, we could honestly do an episode on each of the big three. Yeah. I think Roosevelt I think we kind of already did with Stalin mm-hmm. um, when we talked about Hitler and Stalin in the first episode. That's fair. Um, I don't think that there is enough with Roosevelt to do... A, a full episode just uh, in World War Two. That's fair. Most of his stuff is Great Depression era. It, exactly, and um, and it's later yeah. than than now. So I'm, I think um, I think Churchill. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave it at that and tune in uh, as always. Like and subscribe for more content. Thanks for listening to the Enlightened Podcast. We are brought to you by Anchor, a subdivision of Spotify specifically for podcasting. Not only can we be found on Spotify, we can also be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or frankly, anywhere you can find a good podcast. We can also be found on Instagram and Facebook. We're working on getting a Snapchat together. And in the meantime, you can DM us any questions, thoughts, concerns, or just a review. We've gotten more than a couple so far, and they've been overwhelmingly positive, not to brag, but we're pretty happy about that. So if you have any other thoughts or opinions, please feel free to let us know. And in the meantime, like and subscribe for more content.